Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. This is, Nico, one of the best kept secrets is how much margin and how much money these internet service providers are making. Because the lower you go in bandwidth, the lower your internet consumption actually is, the more margin and the more that bandwidth actually costs. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Hey, welcome to another episode of Suncast, Solar Warrior. I'm your host, Nico Johnson. And today, we get to hang out with my friend, Andy Bindia of Segura International. Stick around if you're interested in hearing how Andy thinks about scaling electrification to serve the 1.3 billion people in the world without energy access. What it means to be the first micro-utility with a concession to bring electricity to an entire region of the island of Haiti, the largest market in Latin America for electrification and energy access. The reason he believes that building a technology-first company is what will empower their growth and scale outside of their first country, and using a franchise-like model for that expansion, their technology and business model, beyond Haiti. Segura is a specialty provider of micro-utility energy systems designed for frontier markets. They focused on Haiti as a proving ground for their innovative grid control hardware and software and have built a very promising model for community empowerment that I hope you enjoy learning more about. I sure did. Thank you for showing up again and encouraging me to continue with Suncast. You could be doing lots of things right now, so I'm grateful that you've chosen to give us a listen. This show depends on your feedback and input. As always, if you would head on over to mysuncast.com, you'd find many ways to reach me, give me an idea or a suggestion or just a touch base. I love hearing from you. Of course, you can always find me on LinkedIn. And I'm thankful for the introduction to Andy by the Solar Plaza team as they continue to collaborate in bringing this series focused on distributed generation and off-grid solar in Latin America. You know, June 15th and 16th, I'll be joining them along with today's guest, and other key leaders in the Latin America market at the Unlocking Solar Capital LATAM event in Miami. Now, this conference will focus on addressing the key issues in financing solar energy in Latin America, bringing together financiers, solar project developers, EPCs, and other leaders from the region. Just head over to mysuncast.com forward slash plaza for more details on registration. Hey, hey, as I've mentioned before, you get a 10% discount as a Suncast listener. Don't forget to use that code suncast as you begin registration thanks again for taking the time to be here and enjoy this week's episode of suncast with andy bendia well today on suncast i have the pleasure of speaking with andy bendia 
A consummate entrepreneur, Andy has dedicated his career to environmental and social causes. He spent five years as a Greenpeace campaign coordinator in Central and Eastern Europe, where he ran clean water, ethical mining, renewable energy campaigns. And in 2011, he founded Segora Solar in Virginia, where he led the company to become the number eight fastest growing energy company in the U.S., an Inc. 500 company recognized as the cleanest in its field, in quotes. He founded and financed Segora Haiti on the heels of Segora Solar's success to develop that country's first private utility company providing clean, reliable, and fairly priced electricity. He's now the CEO of Segora International, an energy technology development and micro-utility company set to take electrification to the 1.2 billion people without energy access in the world. Uh, there's, you know, if you haven't heard of Segora International before I bring Andy on the show, if you haven't heard of them, man, uh, they get a lot of press recently. Um, a, a, an industry favorite of uh, Julia Piper, who I follow at Green Tech Media. In fact, I may mention during the show, but there's a great uh, article that I'll link in the show notes to some some stuff that she's done highlighting Segura's work and a mini documentary that I think you absolutely should watch. Uh, it's called Empowering Haiti, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, Segura is the first company to receive funding, and we'll probably talk about this hopefully with Andy today, from a new initiative by the European Communion Commission's Electrification Finance Initiative. Its letters are Electrify, which is backed by 15 European development finance institutions. It was selected among 290 applications in the first round of funding, and uh, Segura Haiti secured the exclusive rights to provide electricity service for the next 25 years in Haiti uh, in a northwest department, an area which comprises six towns, total population of about 200,000 people. Uh, and they're using this funding from Electrify to go after that market and to build upon their technology stack, which we'll also get into today. Well, today, as I mentioned, we have the honor of speaking with the CEO of Segura International, Andy Bendia. Andy, it's really great to have you on Suncast. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Nico. Thank you. All right. Andy, I always find it interesting to start with the genesis story of your idea or your business and how you decided to kind of work abroad. You're, uh, you're Romanian, uh, so you spent your time with Greenpeace early on in Eastern Europe. But can you give us a bit of your backstory and can you help me understand from there the initiative or drive that led you to move into the world of off-grid solar versus more traditional renewable energy markets? Well, look, Nico, um, in 2011, when I started Segura Solar in Virginia, I was in the more traditional uh, energy uh, markets. Uh, Segura Solar was uh, an EPC company, still is an EPC uh, company in Virginia, designs and installs solar energy systems for uh, homes and uh, businesses. Um, however, even in, in uh, our solar energy business in Virginia, I quickly realized that uh, whilst uh, we are making a tremendous impact and we're making uh, an actual difference by installing solar energy power plants on people's roofs every day, uh, there was more to be done. There was more impact to be had. And frankly, uh, the electrification uh, industry and uh, bringing uh, clean, reliable and fairly priced energy to, to, to people that do not have access to it seemed like one of the, the more um, easier problems to, to, to go after. Hmm. Interesting. Easy in what way? 
Well, take a look at take a look at some of the challenges that we have around the world uh, today. Uh, you you take a look and you f- find uh, healthcare, you find education, you have access to fresh water, you have access to energy, you have access to information, you have sanitation. Um, there are they are all very difficult problems, and some of them have more complex and difficult to implement solutions than others. I honestly believe that electrification is one of the big problems that has uh, uh, a fairly straightforward, implementable and immediately deployable solution. Hmm. Like, I frankly would not even know how to begin to even think about tackling sanitation or or mm-hmm. healthcare or not even conceptually right. not even at the extremely optimistical <laughs> level i couldn't figure out how to how to wrap my head around the the magnitude of the problem however yeah. electricity it's 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 um it's straightforward it's straightforward um well, so I guess I, I would follow that. What prepare? I mean, you're a relatively young guy, Andy. I, if I'm not mistaken, you're in your early 30s. I mean, what preparation would suggest that electricity is an easy market when it's one of the oldest and, and most entrenched markets in the world? Precisely. It is one of the oldest and most entrenched markets in the world. And thus, we have been able to collectively build this uh, uh, cloud of of uh, mystique around utility companies <laughs> and energy providers. At the end of the day, um, with uh, and I don't mean disrespect to to anybody uh, that works in the utility sector. Great deal of respect for for all the good people out there. But at the end of the day, let's think about the 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 business at its very elemental level. Mm. You make kilowatt hours and you sell kilowatt hours. Right. At the end of the day, this is uh, at its most elemental level. This is a much, much uh, simpler uh, business than a Starbucks where you have 15,000 different options of, of, <laughs> of uh, sweeteners for your coffee. We create one product and we sell one product and that's kilowatt hours and it's a business model that has been around for quite a while and it's proven and i do not see any reason why we cannot implement what is currently working what has been currently working in uh in uh the 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 countries that do have 24 7 access to electricity Mm -hmm. in the countries that don't. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk a bit about Haiti uh, for sure because that's where uh, Segura uh, sort of branched out from the traditional U.S. market. What uh, what got you into Haiti? Why Haiti? Why did you choose Haiti to begin with? Uh, I understand that there was a sort of a special project, but could you give me a little bit of background before we talk about the broader market? Why Haiti? Look, Nico. In 2000, in 2013, I've decided that, um, you know, um, I wanted to to um, not simply just talk about uh, providing uh, access to energy, uh, and then actually start doing something about it. And 
frankly, um, I, I wanted to see with my with my own eyes and and uh, learn through my own experience why the situation is uh, is uh, the way it is, and uh, I've decided to do so through through a. Um, scouting trip uh, and I picked Haiti because it seemed like Haiti is unlike any of uh, its neighbors uh, even even uh, the Dominican Republic half of the Hispaniola Island mm-hmm. um, is is uh, enjoying much larger electrification penetration rates and and I just couldn't wrap my head around why Haiti is so much more different than its neighbors uh, in the Caribbean when it comes to energy access. Right. So I went down to Haiti and I spent uh, about six weeks traveling the country and talking to entrepreneurs, talking to uh, municipality officials, talking to government officials, talking to basically anybody that would uh, take the time and the energy to, to mm-hmm. talk to me. And at the end of uh, this trip, it was uh, it was very clear that um, um, one number one, there is a great uh, need for uh, for a sustainable electrification solution in Haiti. Right. Uh, number two, there was a great opportunity to to provide this uh, solution and thus have a significant impact. Uh, and uh, number three, it was it was very very clear that uh, the the biggest portrayed uh, problem with with energy uh, energy access was not uh, people's uh, lack of 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 um, money to pay for the service or lack of desire to pay for the service or lack of willingness to pay for the service. Uh, but rather people are already spending a lot of money on energy and are willing to pay for the service. The problem was the the lack of service providers that provide uh, value for value exchange electricity service. Right, right. Like um, a commitment for the market. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So... Um, since uh, my my first exploration trip was in Haiti, and after spending six weeks out there, uh, I, I absolutely fell in love with uh, with the beauty of the place. I, uh, it's an absolutely absolutely stunning Caribbean uh, Caribbean island, and uh, there is an immense opportunity to 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 create a financially sustainable business and impact the lives of millions of people in a, in a positive manner. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, you know, I know that uh, others have, in fact, my last guest, Juan Fermin Rodriguez of Kingo, referred to Haiti as the largest LATAM off-grid market. Could we talk a bit about the, the numbers and scale that you guys see for off-grid uh, LATAM uh, specifics, or more broadly speaking? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so where do you, uh, in terms of the size of the market, do you have any statistics or, or thoughts or market analysis on what you see in, as uh, the market size for the LATAM market for off-grid, for the types of business that you're deploying? Yeah, so I um, 
I see uh, Latin America as as uh, as a potential business business opportunity for us. Not uh, not so much in the off grid uh, off grid sector, but more in uh, helping utility companies improve their revenue collection and management uh, practices. So, look, if you take a look uh, at Latin America. Uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia, including India, uh, as far as electrification uh, uh, percentages, you will see that Latin America has one of the highest uh, electrification rates from uh, from the three. Uh, they're currently uh, they're currently somewhere in the neighborhood of 71% on average across the continent. However. With significant uh, load shedding and brownouts and outages, right. uh, however, that same number for the sub-Saharan uh, African uh, continent is uh, is basically flipped around, is uh, about uh, only 25 to 30 percent of the sub-Saharan African population has access to some form of uh, grid-tied electricity service. Yeah, to any sort of, yeah, any sort of electricity at all, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, overall, uh, the market uh, is estimated uh, to to be roughly 1.3 billion people without access to electricity. This is the number that... uh, we seem to agree in the industry. Uh, We also agree that um, it is growing at the fastest rate, then we are able to electrify uh, these people. And that's because the population growth, by and large, is coming from these emerging markets. Mm, Precisely. And because um, we, we... we are a small uh, and growing uh, industry at this point. Yeah. Uh, whenever I get asked uh, about uh, competitors and, and other other <laughs> other companies working in the sector, uh, I always uh, I always say that hey, there's there are a few of us, but most definitely not enough by by yeah. any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Yep. Yeah, it's been it's been I mean, I'm specifically looking for off grid entrepreneurs to have on Suncast and uh, and it's not it's not easy to find folks like yourself who have this uh, level of experience. You know, to that end, uh, one of the things that you'll be speaking on uh, at the Solar Plaza event is how uh, how to how capital is flowing into this market. How interested are investors in this segment, given attention from in particular the other markets that you mentioned with off grid? I think. um... I think just like any other sector that it is in its early stage, uh, mm-hmm. we are going through a period of, of um, proving the market. We are going through a period of uh, proving uh, our, our uh, technology. Uh, however, uh, the, the parallel is often drawn between the electrification sector and the telecom industry roughly, right, roughly right. 20 years ago. Uh, and uh, the reality is that uh, if you if you if you take the two timelines and overlap them uh, 20 years apart, you will see 
exactly the 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 same milestones being hit and and uh, as players emerge on both the entrepreneurial side and uh, investor side right so right. um Clearly, uh, just like every other entrepreneur, uh, you know, one of my biggest focuses is raising uh, capital and uh, raising capital for a business that is, number one, a technology development company, number mm -hmm. two, uh, a microgrid developer, and number three, a micro utility company. Uh -huh. uh, and working in frontier markets is nonetheless challenging but uh, understandably challenging. Yeah. Um, we have been able to we have been able to capture the attention of, of of investors, and we have been able to to secure investment thus far. And uh, it it looks uh, the horizon looks very bright uh, for us. Yeah, you mentioned that there aren't a lot of competitors, and I have uh, I had some experience with in. Uh, broadly speaking with investment in this sector and can attest to the fact that there is not a lack of uh, places for investors to put their money. Uh, there are a, there are a lack of companies like Sigora who are worthy of investors uh, putting money to work. You know, one of the things you mentioned was this, um, this notion of micro-utility. Could you explain to me the concept of a micro-utility contrasted with the micro-grid and how you guys differentiate between the two or integrate the two? Um, yes, absolutely. So what, uh, and you know, we, we always love to come up with our own catchphrases. So we, we always want to use some word that describes us differently than the rest. So what's a micro utility at the end of the day is, is uh, nothing more than a, a company that makes kilowatt hours and sells kilowatt hours. That's what a utility company is. That's what a micro utility company is. However, uh -huh. on a much, much smaller scale. If you think about it, Nico, if I install a 5KW uh, PV system on somebody's home and I install a battery bank uh, to, that, uh, to that system and cut them from the, from the utility company and that customer begins, um, you know, drapes an extension cord over the, their fence and sells uh, energy from his solar uh, PV battery system to his neighbor, that person is basically a utility company at this point. <laughs> and yeah. if you if you take that system, that 5KW PV system with a battery bank, and you add a revenue collection and control system and move it from Virginia uh, or from the Bay Area and put it in Zambia or in Haiti in the middle of a homestead or the middle of a fishing village, you have yourself an off-grid micro-utility company, basically. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, what is a micro-utility company? Is a, is a small kilowatt-hour-making, kilowatt-hour-selling enterprise that right. does not necessarily need to be owned by a central institution. It can be co-owned in partnership with local entrepreneurs and ultimately um, franchised through, throughout the sub-Saharan uh, uh, 
market uh, throughout mm-hmm. the, the, the Southeast Asian market, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, electricity not only brings uh, brings uh, the, the direct benefits uh, with it, but if we can turn that 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 uh, micro utility business into into uh, enterprise opportunity that local entrepreneurs can can make additional uh, uh, cash and can have additional streams of revenue, then uh, we have we have added an indirect benefit to this electrification. Yeah, I think it's a marvelous model. And uh, hearing you explain it, what I hear is you know microgrid is effectively you know localization of generation and transmission and a microutility to use utility speak right microutility is the distribution aspect it's the uh, delivering power and charging for it and regulating it yeah. for your for customers and building out uh, that customer base and the yeah. you know the, the sort of economic distribution model if you will yeah look okay. Nico uh, the way this came about was observing what is happening in the field and um, what we have seen time uh, again and again in the field is you go to a a village a town a community in haiti for example and you see you see a large business that um, sells uh, drinks and uh, food and uh, construction materials and everything else. And usually the large business in town has a generator that's usually oversized, poorly maintained, and so on and so forth. Long story short, they get by, they generate their own electricity. At the end of the day, what is needed for this entrepreneur that has an established business entity, established credibility, established buy-in with the local community? What is needed? What is missing to to turn this already existing enterprise into into an enterprise that also sells kilowatt hours? Mm-hmm. And the answer is not much. And um, I, I got after after uh, we had uh, an article. I think it was after one of uh, Julia Piper's uh, Green Tech Media articles. At um, we, I, I received a phone call from uh, two uh, entrepreneurs in uh, Cote d'Ivoire, um, Claudette mm-hmm. and Yvonne, and they they uh, they they called up and said, "Hey, look." Um, we 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 wanna we wanna get in business with you and you, we wanna do the same thing that you're uh, doing in Haiti together with you, and they mm. told me the story of um, how they own uh, a hotel, and they have a big uh, generator and there's about uh, 300 uh, homes uh, in in town that uh, they would love to figure out a way that they can give power to the people and uh, charge them money. And keep the lights on. And uh, frankly, that's that's uh, that's what we're trying to to do with our uh, full software, hardware, and and uh, technology integration right. is allow right. entrepreneurs like Claudette and Yvonne to turn their generation capacity into a micro utility company that uh, sells uh, energy right. uh, and electrifies their town and uh, leverage um, 
large uh, debt and equity funds uh, to do so, leverage our technology platform to do so, and use the 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 the, the power of local small entrepreneurs to proliferate this energy access. Mm. So from the business model perspective, does that look like a, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, franchise? Is that kind of, is that the expansion model for you? Um, ultimately, yes. However, I'm hesitant to, uh, you know, I use the word franchise. I wish there was mm. a better word that didn't, uh, didn't, uh, associate us that much with with you know mcdonald's and bad hamburgers but uh, at the end of the day um yes uh, you can call it a franchise ultimately we want to provide the tools that empower mm-hmm. local entrepreneurs to electrify yeah. their communities i see and you mentioned earlier that you know first and foremost you're a technology development company not um not a utility company uh, that the utility is sort of an out, outflow or outcropping of the technology you've built. Yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely understand that. You know, one great example, <clears throat> it's your first example, I think, for uh, for Sigora Haiti, is the town of, or I don't know if you call it province, but Mole San, San Nicolas. Um, you know, this is a project that you built in six months from scratch. There was no grid before of the, in this town of 5,000. Is that correct? Yeah, that is that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. But how how do you how do you begin to conceptualize a project like that? Where where does that start? How do you get into why the town of Mole Saint Nicolas? So, we picked Mole as a pilot project location uh, because uh, particularly because it had never had an electrical grid. Uh, it had uh, very good, uh, very good geographical, uh, a geographical location, uh, good uh, wind generation uh, capacity. It uh, was a community that uh, had the the desire to see the town electrified and was willing to to work together with us in in making that a reality. They were. Uh, willing to 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 pay for uh, electricity and uh, it's it's uh, it's a location that was um, uh, densely densely populated and uh, for all the boxes we had on our on our community assessment checklist it was it was perfect now um, when we say um, <laughs> six months um, that is a tad bit uh, deceiving, uh, mm-hmm. not intentional. Uh, the construction did take uh, six months, and uh, our our Haitian colleagues are are uh, halfway jokingly telling us that they can they can do it again in three. However, right. uh, um, there was a massive amount of of uh, preparation work. Uh, before uh, those six months uh, commenced um, um, it took us all in all about uh, two years to to get to the point that uh, we were developing technology at the same time we were testing technology mind you uh, the the metering technology that we deployed in mall and uh, 
1,054 accounts we have up there. They're serviced with our own uh, prepaid uh, energy technology. We had setbacks. We had failures. We had mm. technology replacements. Um, and and um, at, uh, at this point, um, we can say that um, we are done with the technology testing and prototyping, and we have ourselves a stable product in the field. And now we are uh, we are moving into the stage where we replicate what we have done in Mall uh, Saint Nicholas. So. The next one will be indeed uh, three months and the one after uh, even faster. However, the first one was a, a, a painful uh, learning experience uh, that was yeah. very, very necessary on all counts for us. Um, so, so a couple of questions crop up for me on that. One is, you know, your connection to the town. Was there someone that you had found locally who suggested Mol San Nicolas? I mean, I've been in that sort of market research area where you, you know, you've got thousands potentially of communities you could choose from. Yeah. I'd love to know the connection specifically that you have with Mol San Nicolas. And following from that, I'd love to know how you funded, uh, was it straight from Sigora Solar? Did you raise money? How did you fund the two years of development cycle to get that project off the ground? Yeah. So... On the first part of the question, uh, as as hard as I tried to to locate the the perfect uh, pilot project site, um, in my first uh, trip to Haiti, I was not able to find uh, to find uh, to find Mall San Nicolas. Um, however. Uh, I have met uh, one of our uh, senior uh, senior engineers and project managers in Haiti in my first trip, and a few a uh, few weeks later, he had uh, Jean Pierre had called me and said, uh, Andy, I think uh, we found the perfect location. So I, I got a plane ticket and headed back uh, back to Haiti, and uh, we went together up to up to up to Mall, uh, where um, part mm -hmm. of Jean-Pierre's family was originally ah, from Mall. Okay. So uh, we went up there and uh, as soon as as soon as we got there, it was it was clear that um, this was this was the this was the spot. Brilliant. I see. So you had you had uh, on that first trip, you identified who your let's call it local partner would be. Right. Who was going to be your the advancing advancing the search and advancing the, I guess, list of criteria you had selected. And from there, you were able to single in on Mole. Precisely, precisely. And uh, I have not found Mole. Jean-Pierre did, and uh, he was ultimately, he was ultimately uh, the one that uh, pushed very hard uh, to, to, to advance the deployment. And he is one of our, he is one of our senior engineers and uh, has been instrumental in the development of our, of our technology. And I mean, it's very, Nico, I, I want to mention it uh, because I'm here on uh, speaking uh, on your podcast uh, by myself. Um, our company's accomplishments are uh, entirely uh, caused by a team of fantastic individuals. So none of the things that I'm telling you about I have accomplished uh, or could have accomplished uh, on my own. And most of them are not my accomplishments. They are my team's uh, uh, accomplishments. 
Um, and similarly to that, uh, you know, finding the perfect uh, pilot project location. And from there on, the expansion plan and our 10-year electrification plan, uh, which, uh, which um, covers uh, three different regions in the country and roughly 5 million people over the next, uh, over the next 10 years. I think that's amazing, Andy, and I want to just acknowledge uh, the level of humility and leadership I I see in you just having the perspective um, and the insight that you have uh, in in such a young age to be able to uh, acknowledge those around you, to grow a team and realize that it's a team effort. I appreciate, I appreciate that, uh, that comment and that focus, and certainly Suncast listeners are looking at how to be a leader, how to grow their company. Uh, and and you're you are an invited guest on the show because I believe that you're someone others can learn from. So thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank um, you for the very very generous words, Nico. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I gosh, there's so much I could probably pull all of this into a separate episode. Uh, you know, just with Haiti alone, uh, and we may do that. Maybe we'll sit down in Miami and record just a little mini-sode on uh, your project specific to Haiti and maybe like a case study around Mole Saint-Nicolas and Cité Soleil. Well, it's fascinating to me that, you know, we mentioned earlier the investors are opening up to this market. I just read yesterday uh, the announcement from February of developing world markets, investing $68 million into these types of businesses, creating a fund for it. Uh, I'd love to dig into Segura's fundraising model to the extent that you're able to discuss it? Have you raised outside capital? Um, you know, how is it structured? So, um, so far, um, all the capital we have uh, raised uh, has, been, has been equity. Uh, we've raised roughly $5 million uh, to date and uh-huh. uh, are uh, closing uh, Series uh, A, hopefully in uh, Q, Q3 of 2017 this year. Uh-huh. Um, we are looking, we are looking uh, to access um, infrastructure level uh, f- funding for uh, the remainder of our phase one uh, in Haiti and uh, moving forward in uh, in Haiti uh, the majority of our projects are basically uh, going to be built with uh, project equity uh-huh. and uh, project is, debt is that electrify funding is that part of the equity you mentioned or is that a debt debt reserve uh, the Electrify funding is is actually equity funding. Uh, okay. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. And <clears throat> how much of the fundraising do you see is going towards operating capital versus deployment? And I guess maybe I'm using the wrong terminology, but like supporting the back-end hardware development versus supporting the on-the-ground infrastructure development. So right, uh, right now we're probably looking at uh, – we're – at about 90% uh, field uh, deployment uh, capital that's being raised and about 10% uh, uh, back-end uh, operational capital. And yeah. however, the numbers might uh, be a little bit uh, counterintuitive because mm-hmm. it is such a capital-intensive business. I mean, right. take a look at our phase one in Haiti covers 27 
thousand uh, customer accounts, roughly one hundred thirty-six thousand people. We are deploying we are deploying uh, three point five megawatts of renewables with battery storage. Uh, We are building uh, some uh, transmission lines that will allow us to co-locate the renewables and thus achieve a very, uh, very uh, attractive price per per watt installed. it is a very capital-intensive business. Uh, in that aspect, it is very similar to, to a utility company. It is a utility mm-hmm. company at the end of the day, and the assets have to be built uh, before we can, we can start uh, providing service to our customers. Right, and you're financing those assets on uh, on balance sheet and equity financing, not not by bringing on debt partners. For for the pilot project in the first uh, f- uh, phase of the Haiti deployment, mm-hmm. yes, indeed, everything is financed with equity. Right. We are in due del- diligence with uh, three different uh, debt uh, providers for. Uh, the phase one of uh, of the Haiti deployment, as well as our our Zambia deployment, where we are building a pilot project uh, in the community of Kanja, uh, we are already in late stage due diligence for both uh, equity and uh, debt. Well, you are in the process of both raising equity and debt. You're out there actively talking to investors. Can you? help us understand what the capital markets are looking for in these types of off-grid solar companies as compared with the more traditional energy plays that they would be investing in? Is it And also, what types of investors? Is it just social impact? Are you seeing more traditional investors or family offices? How's it, how's it sort of cordoned off and what are they looking for uh, in, uh, in companies to invest in? I, I, I think uh, I think I think investors are always looking for low risk and high return. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so um, they're looking. Uh, I, I believe um, I, I believe investors are looking for the same thing. They are looking in every every sector. Um, a commensurated uh, level of return with uh, with the risk uh, they are exposing uh, their capital to. Mm-hmm. Our our job um, is is more than anything to to actually be able to to present the the full realistic spectrum of of risks um because there is um there is um, a bit of a difference between the level of actual risk and the level of perceived risk in these uh frontier markets and pertaining to electrification in 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 particular mm-hmm. so um uh, well, how oh, do you get them comfortable with the with the actual versus perceived risk I think, uh, and and uh, I'm I'm uh, willing to to listen to to advice from more more uh, seasoned entrepreneurs on 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 this one. But my approach has been to open book uh, share our our both uh, lessons that we have learned uh, in mm-hmm. the field over the last uh, couple of years to to show the discrepancies between between what is perceived uh, in official uh, reports and documentations and memos and and uh, what we are actually in our our 
assessment partners are seeing uh, on the ground uh, mm-hmm. and basically basically uh, present a very well informed uh, open uh, open book uh, assessment mm-hmm. of both uh, the good and and the bad as well mm-hmm. so um, and and I believe that uh, doing so um, um, Alienates alienates some investors, and then uh, early 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 on, uh, you 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 hear a lot of uh, you hear a lot of early stage no's, which uh, fast no is is uh, always welcome. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, the the uh, the the investors remaining in the conversation, um, they know what to expect. So um, a whole of our conversations start with, "Hey, um, this is not a, this is not a, a simple uh, simple business model at this point. We are both a technology development company, we are a microgrid developer, and we are also uh, an operator of a microgrid utility company. And we work in frontier markets such as Haiti, Zambia, and uh, soon later on this year, uh, beyond. Um, however, um, with all the risks of the business and the mm-hmm. risks of the markets we work in, uh, comes uh, a significant amount of of, uh, of opportunity to create a positive impact, but also to um, to to see uh, good returns on on capital invested. Yeah, I know that. Um, well, <clears throat> one question as a follow up to that: what? Uh... Uh, are we talking, you know, mid-teens returns that you see investors looking at, or you know, twenties and thirties uh, returns? Could you give us some insight on that? I think, uh, I think, uh, if we are, if we are to to take all um, uh, ancillary, uh, so to speak, uh, benefits of invested uh, cash, the, the fact that yes, they are meaningful impacts uh, to, to these investments and so on and so forth. Uh, I think uh, investors are looking for um, mid to, to high 20s over the long term in these frontier markets. And um, I, I, I think, uh, I think that's, uh, that's, that's absolutely understandable at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, and I understand that you're able to actually, I don't know about the Segura model specifically, but others in the space uh, are able to deliver uh, no. 30 and beyond uh, depending on <clears throat> depending on the specific business model you know one of the things uh, that investors look for is you know they'll especially since you are a hardware focused company uh, at the core and your technology we'll get to in a minute uh, is unit economics uh, how, how much do the investors focus on your unit economics you know you've got some of your smallest customers are paying between five and six dollars a month for U.S. electricity, USD for electricity. Um, you know, are you willing to speak to what your unit economics are and how, where you derive profitability in the in the business model? Look, um, unit economics. So, energy uh, and utility companies, energy companies are always going to be extremely well uh, regulated, and there's always going to be the intention to regulate the rates of a utility company. To the point that, you know, we we give our monopoly utility companies, you know, five percent guaranteed margin. 
Now, right. if I tell my potential investors that I'll give them a 5% margin on their investment of cash in Haiti, nobody will listen to me. That's I mean, it's right. legitimately so. However, so I have to I have to generate this 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 margin that investors, equity investors in a place like Haiti are actually looking uh, to uh, from other parts. And a lot of a lot of that margin comes from software as a service internally yeah. between Segura International, the development, uh, the, the the technology development company and Segura Haiti, the utility company. Right. Yep. So. We are charging anywhere between five and fifteen dollars uh, per uh, per per month. Actually, our average monthly ARPU across the entirety of our customers is fifteen dollars and fifty six cents. Due to uh, we provide service to the telecom towers, the large hotels, so we provide large capacity commercial service, and that right, right. drives up our ARPU. Our anchor customers uh, are under long term PPA. With us. Well, actually, you know, I'm fascinated with the tech side of off-grid. Segura is innovative. You've mentioned that you've spent a lot of time thinking about the hardware and software that you're bringing to market. Now, we're well aware that lots of business models exist. There's pay-as-you-go, prepay, mobile model is prolific throughout uh, Africa. Uh, maybe a few questions that I would direct your way are, one, can you tell me a bit about what you bring that's unique and scalable in terms of hardware and software, in particular, kind of your grid software model, if that's if that's relevant and you can talk about it. And then two, why you chose to develop it yourself versus, you know, uh, partnering with someone like PowerHive right there in the Bay Area who has created their own technology to address this concern. Absolutely. So what uh, we bring, uh, what we look forward to bringing to the to the market is uh, bankable revenue management uh, mm -hmm. solutions, uh, both on the hardware and the software side. And this uh, on the uh, on the hardware side, it starts with the cost of energy meters and energy metering solutions, and it moves all the way through. Uh, the, the payment collection uh, methods and the the efficacy uh, and consistency of, of uh, those uh, methods. Um, at, at the end of the day, what we are bringing to the market is a is a cost effective uh, revenue control and management uh, solution. Now, to go into uh, a bit of detail, our metering technology can can support both prepay, pay-as-you-go, uh, post-pay for uh, large uh, customers with mm -hmm. with um, with um, long-term PPAs. Uh, PPAs. Um, as well as uh, our our uh, tech features uh, software regulated uh, demand control that allows us to uh, to blanket cover the entirety of a community and as mm. the community needs and the individual needs both on the residential and the business side grow to uh, allow for more power draw and more energy consumption uh, allows us to prioritize uh, customers for example um, should there ever be uh, the need to prioritize uh, energy in a battery bank for example we can prioritize uh, healthcare facilities over other other types of customers and so on right. so right. so wow. forth so at the end of the day 
why did we go out there to develop uh, our our own uh, technology was uh, because when we first uh, started going down this electrification uh, path we 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 looked at it from the perspective of a, of a business that wants to achieve financial sustainability that is a is a micro utility or a microgrid operator, uh, and uh, the 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 chief objective there was to consistently and effectively collect revenue, meaning to collect mm. most, if not all, of the revenue you are owed, and to do so in a in a manner that is least expensive cents per dollar. To collect right. that revenue, um, and thus uh, we looked at the technology that was available on the market, and nothing was uh, was doing quite everything that we needed uh, it to do, and um, we decided to develop our own. Uh, and this was about uh, two years ago. That's brilliant, and the uh, I, I you know I'm fascinated with. The fact that you've gone, I think what I consider to be for the type of business, the extra step of including the grid software. Uh, I mean, it sounds like the type of software that allows you to literally act as a, an independent uh, operator, kind of ISO style, uh, to control the demand response, et cetera. Is that what I hear you're saying? Um, precisely, precisely. And look, I want to I want to make mention of of uh, an element that has been an important driving force. So, my view of uh, utility companies is that uh, they are they are basically companies that have moved from the startup stage into the scale-up stage and into, into the level of uh, monopoly, uh, monopoly stage here in the United States and the better bit of the, the Western world. Uh, we often view them as, uh, especially in our, in, our, in our sector, we often view them as the, 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 the bad guys, the enemies, and so on and so forth. That is, uh, look, at the end of the day, there is nothing wrong with uh, the utility model itself where you make kilowatt hours and you sell kilowatt hours. Um, right. We can make that energy be clean, we can make it be reliable, and we can make it be fairly priced, both for the consumer and for the for uh, the utility micro utility company that that is providing the service and at the end of the day what we are trying to achieve with our technology is create the entire uh, software hardware and and uh, system uh, stack that will allow for the for the proliferation of small micro utility companies so it is developed from the perspective of of being able to operate a micro utility company from your iphone thus right. the and we believe that uh, that uh, the generation capacity which uh, which is installed with technology that is readily available on the market uh, today and bankable and scalable um, 
integrated with with the the customer side of 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 uh, the control uh, the the demand uh, regulation on the on the customer side integrated with financing integrated with uh, the entirety of the uh, software uh, control systems um, is what will allow uh, entrepreneurs to to make kilowatt hours and to sell kilowatt hours ultimately I totally get it I, I mean I think that the uh, the model that you've created and certainly the full scope of the technology and software stack uh, fully supports the idea that it's not a central periphery model of control of this type of technology or this type of deployment of electrification. Uh, rather, it's an empowerment model that allows you to take technology into the frontier and empower local entrepreneurs to build micro utilities, as you said, where uh, where even in, as we mentioned a bit about the profitability model, where you as a software as a service provider can continue to service those international partners that you've recruited through this uh, sort of we'll call it distribution channel. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And, yeah, that's brilliant. And, and um, this is uh, the one one uh, um, element I want to mention, Nico. A couple of my uh, offline here, a couple of my potential investors are very large utility companies. Uh, of course, and the usual that. suspects. And um, two things here. Number one, I personally don't feel that the utilities are the bad guy. I just feel that they're this 900 pound gorilla that, that, you know, is not in startup mode anymore and finds it difficult to adapt their established business model because they don't have startup people anymore with them. The startup, their startup was, you know, in the thirties. So, but they are not the bad guys uh, in the electrification sector, and um, uh, we're, um, we can find ways to work together and do this clean, reliable, and fairly priced electrification. I think you're exactly right. Well, on the heels of this technology conversation, I'd love to know if you could highlight any technology hurdles that still exist that are preventing a rollout of what you might consider the ideal solution. The rollout of the ideal solution will happen later on this year. We will be deploying the first uh, grid-in-a-box uh, franchise, uh, wow. so to speak, uh, micro-utility. It will be in a location in Zambia that we yeah. have selected already. It is a yeah. separate location from our pilot project. Um, uh, however, uh, the first uh, time we will be deploying the entirety of our of our our franchise micro utility will be uh, will be later on this year, and uh, it it looks like it will be in Zambia. We have. We have a potential uh, entrepreneur and community in Haiti. We are working with together for uh, to pilot uh, this deployment. Um, it might be Zambia, it might be Haiti, or it might even be both at the same time. But we are hoping to deploy it uh, later on this year for the first time. Similarly, is there anything that you believe is particularly holding back off-grid solar as a as a category for investment by serious financing and growth capital? 
off-grid solar it's 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 hard to ask me this question because i i am preaching the proliferation of micro utilities and somewhat a grid approach here but um of course yeah that's right i uh, i still I, consider it off-grid i still consider it uh are we still uh, uh, non-conventional are we still yeah, with I consider the cool it non-conventional grid maybe <laughs> <laughs> um so look um I I sincerely believe that we are going through the through the stages of proving our technologies, proving our 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 markets, and um, I, I I believe in talking to fellow entrepreneurs, in in talking to to investors, um, both institutional and and uh, private investors. Um, I believe that uh, you will see over the next five years, you you will see a significant increase in the number of investments, uh, in both volume uh, and and dollar amount of investments in 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 our uh, in our field, uh, and it's very important to to note here that. Sigora is only one of the the, the 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 companies that are working in this in this electrification industry, and our solution of micro utilities and microgrids and franchise micro utilities is one of few and uh, only applicable to a certain uh, to a certain segment uh, of the market. Uh, this uh, electrification uh, effort. Uh, requires uh, requires uh, different solutions as it does have very different um, market segments with different unit economics and the necessity for different technology to de be deployed. If you take a look at uh, just uh, just the parallel between uh, Sigora Haiti and uh, Sigora Zambia. Our colleagues uh, in in uh, Haiti, uh, are, whilst faced with the same challenges as our colleagues in in uh, Zambia, there are parts of the deployment that is significantly differently different, um, based solely on the 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 density of the towns and villages and and cities that are being electrified. Right. Uh, the market is slightly different and um, uh, for different uh, markets and different market segments, you you have to have different approaches. So um, we are not the only ones working in this field. Uh, we have... Uh, I consider it a blessing, actually, to 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 have a fellow off-grid, uh, extremely talented, extremely hardworking, really really amazing entrepreneurs working in this off-grid uh, electrification and and electrification industries, and and I think I think as the uh, the sector begins to mature, we will all find it. Uh, easier to raise capital for these frontier markets. So I applaud uh, my colleagues and fellow entrepreneurs that are working in this sector. It's it's not an easy sector to be in. Yeah, that, you can say that again. Well, you had uh, the ability to be influenced by, and certainly you built a great board around Segura, influenced by some of the leading uh, minds in this industry and others. 
I'd love to understand what are some key lessons or takeaways from the most important mentors in your life or career thus far. It seems like the most valuable lessons are, are also the most uh, cliche ones. <laughs> um, look, um, I have had uh, a few very humbling learning experience, uh, experiences in, in, uh, in my past. And um, I, think, uh, I think learning from... Uh, your own mistakes uh, and striving to learn from the mistakes of others mm-hmm. is uh, is uh, is one of the best advices and best lessons I have mm-hmm. I have gotten. Is like, uh, somebody told me at one point is like Andy. At the very least, you gotta learn from your own mistakes. However. Right. It is cheaper and less painful to learn from the mistakes of others. Yeah, and indeed. I I always strive to to find to find where other entrepreneurs uh, have have uh, hit the wall and um, try as much as possible to to avoid making uh, the same mistakes and mm. and try to as much as possible share some of the lessons I have learned with uh, fellow entrepreneurs uh, in the in the in the sector um, that would be the first one and the second uh, the second one um, is is uh, hey uh, I mean at the end of the day um, this cliche expression of a self-made individual and the self-made entrepreneur and the self-made self-made anything is ultimately you know um, it it doesn't exist it, it, there is no up, such yeah. thing it's it sounds good it's um hmm. uh, it sounds sexy but um at at the end of the day um your team and the people that uh, you surround yourself in in the journey of of uh, Achieving your goals and following through with your vision are the 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 the, the critical element and the make or break point. It is absolutely all about the team. It is absolutely all about the team. And I don't even know how how to make this sound more convincing, mm-hmm. but the team is both everything uh, and and uh, and all at the same time i love it and it's exemplified in the in the humility of this interview yeah. and the way that you've constantly deferred to not just your team but the others around you who are striving yeah. towards the same goal as potential competitors well nico um look at the end of the day um I am looking at uh, uh, my fellow entrepreneurs and, and uh, investors a lot of the time refer to competitors. Mm. Um, it's like, hey, how, how are you better than your competitors? And a lot of the times we have uh, pre-rehearsed uh, uh, answers to why we're better than our competitors and why we're so special and so on and so forth. I mean, at the end of the day, in all honesty, uh, looking at the caliber of individuals that are, are are already working in this industry and joining this industry, 
uh, man, I, I I hope to 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 be as good as some of these guys uh, and uh, and the gals uh, one day. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, the the market is is so massive, and there is so few of us that we need to 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 hope and help each other more because uh, the success of our peers ultimately will uh, allow for more investment and for mm. more for more advancement of the entirety of our industry um, we have to come together to accelerate the 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 uh, the maturization of our electrification industry. And I don't even know if that's a word. Um, <laughs> it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think that's a great place to put a pin in the, the larger conversation around who is Segura. Uh, before we end the interview, I always like to ask some questions that are specific to you personally and your own growth. You're the CEO of a company at 30 two 33 years old you know you founded a company that was a an inc 500 company a few years running um you know one of the fastest growing in our industry in the u.s which is the fastest growing market at the time so i'd like to dig in a bit about who about you just two quick questions that i think would highlight that the first is what i call what's on your nightstand as we look into the, your personal life, I'd love to know what book has influenced you uh, to make a positive change or has influenced your personal life. You know, what is it the same book perhaps that you've given away the most and, and why? Yes, Nico, it's um, Peter Thiel's uh, Zero to One. Uh, I find it absolutely uh, fascinating, extremely insightful and, and uh, most definitely uh, visionary and uh, and uh, very helpful for entrepreneurs and those that are uh, uh, pursuing solving difficult uh, problems and attacking uh, challenges. Um, not agree with uh, his political affiliation as of late. Uh, I, I, I understand it, but I oh, don't completely. like it. I understand I it. But I don't yeah. like it. I think we're all in the same boat there, Andy, for sure. Yeah. You know, this is a book that comes up uh, frequently among my group of friends who read and recommend books, and I can identify. I've read it. It's an amazing book. But, um, but yeah, like, what the heck? What's going on, Peter? All right. So moving on. Well, what one thing do you consistently do that yields the greatest impact or results in your personal or professional life? The one thing. Mm -hmm. The one thing consistently um, is the key. Um, I think um, it would most definitely have to to be uh, spending time motivating uh, my 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 team and and uh, um, yeah, most definitely. It's, Amazing. So 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 investing in and yeah. motivating your team and and the energy that you draw from that as well. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think uh, I think uh, the best uh, the best place for an entrepreneur to spend uh, their time is uh, is recruiting and retaining the absolute very top talent available Amazing. out there. Yeah, you're. I think I think you are clearly uh, being influenced by the right types of minds to to have that level of wisdom at your 
at your age. So Andy, I, I applaud you. Hey, where can people find you? Where can they link up with you? Is there, you know, I'm, I know you're on LinkedIn, even though you haven't accepted my uh, LinkedIn connection request. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. It's okay. You're a busy man creating a, a company that didn't exist. Um, I think the easiest way uh, to what is the easiest way to get a hold of me? Uh, the, the easiest yeah. way to get a hold of me is through one of my team members. I was going to uh, say through Natasha, probably. <laughs> it's uh, through 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 Natasha, through my people in Haiti, through my people in 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 in, uh, in Zambia. But yeah. it is most uh, definitely through my people because. Um, uh, when, when uh, I, I tend to listen to them, um, right. so when they tell They're me good to filter. do something, uh, I, I do it. So yeah, I can attest to the fact that my emails from through Natasha uh, were were much more readily available to you. Um, but is there? Are you on Twitter? Do you, are you involved in social media at all? Do you frequent LinkedIn? I have made a, a promise uh, to my communications team that mm. starting uh, July 1st, I will be <laughs> active on social media. Got it. Perfect. Well, we'll uh, I'll find out from Natasha what uh, what social accounts to link up to. And if it's okay, uh, I'll check with her, certainly. But we'll reference Natasha's email. Natasha is the, the head of communications for Segura. Yeah. Um, well, Andy, we always end with one final question, and I call it the bold prediction. Andy, what one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball? Um, I think in 20 years from now, we will look back at uh, the electrification um, industry and the startup of the consolidation of this industry and wished we would have gotten in. Uh, I think 20 years from, uh, from, uh, from today, uh, the, the energy access uh, problem will be solved and uh, it, uh, it will be a mature industry that uh, is, is larger even than the frontier market telecom industry today. Powerful words spoken by a visionary leader. Andy, Bendia, thank you so much for being on Suncast, my friend. I look forward to seeing you in Miami. Likewise, Nico, and thank you very much for uh, having me. And uh, thank you very much to my team and, uh, and uh, looking forward to see you as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, look at that. We're already done with another episode. Hey, I mentioned before this episode's brought to you in collaboration with Solar Plaza. Get over to www.mysuncast.com forward slash plaza for details on the Unlocking Solar Capital LATAM event in Miami coming up June 15th and 16th. Don't forget the 10% discount code. 10%! I mean, that's a meal in Miami, or at least an appetizer. So go use Suncast at checkout. Grab your 10%. I'll see you in Miami. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. 
Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.